Welcome to the VARPA podcast, where we discuss the issues facing allied health professionals. Each episode, we discuss new topics, including wages and working conditions, lifestyle and career structure, enterprise agreements, dinosaurs and other prehistoric animals, Vikings and shield maidens, and all progressive causes facing unionists. The VARPA podcast, the podcast of the Victorian allied health professionals. Hi, VARPA members. Sarah Hathway here, lead organiser for the hospital's organising team at VARPA. I'm excited to tell you that this round of public sector bargaining, we have a team of four dedicated organisers to public sector bargaining, along with support from allied health students in campaign organiser roles who have been on the phones to many of you over the last few weeks. This episode features VARPA Secretary Craig McGregor and lead organiser Linda Jenkin, reflecting on everything from dinosaurs to gains won in the last public sector campaign. Spoiler alert, the dinosaurs will be making a comeback. Linda is now leading up our disability diagnostic and primary care organising team, however, has previous experience to share along with Craig in this episode of the VARPA podcast. Hello, VARPA members. In the last public sector campaign, we felt that we didn't get information out to you as uh, promptly uh, and as succinctly as we would have liked. So one of the things we thought we'd do for the coming public sector campaign is to do a podcast so we can have a day of bargaining, talk to you just about exactly what happened, what we thought was good, what we thought was bad and what was relevant to you, etc. So this is a really exciting project for us. Now I'm here today with Linda Jenkin, who you will all know, no doubt, she's the VARPA lead organiser. Uh, Linda, would you like to say hi? Hi, everyone. Oh, there you go. Thanks, Linda. And uh, Rurik, who is our senior researcher here. Now, Rurik's the man behind the, the podcast and doing all the, the back of house work. Uh, Rurik. Hello, everybody. So I'm going to take over from Craig now and we're going to get to the hard hitting questions, the ones which have been on everybody's lips to begin with. And that is... Tell us about the dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Where did the dinosaur come from? Um, it's on the front of our last enterprise agreement, and I understand it took quite a, a healthy part. It was almost like a... Is it... What's the right word? Is it like a fourth column? No, that's that's someone who's not on the side, right? <laughs> um, anyway, it was a, an auxiliary in the, in the fight for our last enterprise agreement. I, look, our dinosaur really backed us up and supported us the whole way, and... Um, T-Rex was a, an invaluable part of the project. Initially, we were looking around for how we could make our campaign really pop, and we looked around the world. We looked at protests around the world, and we saw right in our backyard the ambulance union doing this, you know, window writing, and we thought, God damn it, we need our own kind of texture on the window thing. This is just really going gangbusters, but how can we do it? We've got a diversity of professions, etc. And I don't know how it happened, but... Uh, Andrew- well, I thought- thought it happened because your children were obsessed with dinosaurs and so my first response was Craig, come on Well there is some truth to that and we were watching just extraordinary amounts of dinosaur documentaries at that point in time but 
I think I raised it with Andrew Hewitt, the Assistant Secretary, in this kind of very tentative way and said, Andrew, uh, what would you think? We, we need some kind of theme. And he just jumped on it. And I don't think it, was in, it wasn't fully formed at all. And, and we had a half-hour laugh and come up with the concept and brought it back to the office. And, um, Linda, I think you were the first person we kind of... <laughs> we we yeah. bravely... What was, what was your first response, Linda? That's what I want to know. That was my first response. Yeah, it was come silence. On, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good idea. Um, no, look, it very quickly made sense in the context, particularly of our classification structure, um, which was very much out of date. And it, you know, it very, very quickly resonated with members. So, mm. yeah. It's interesting that because even the workplaces that I've been to, uh, some of the, the delegates have said to me, oh, we want to keep the dinosaur. Can we keep the dinosaur? We need to keep the dinosaur. So um, it's clearly uh, very was, popular um, and uh, something yeah. which, I mean, in some ways, exactly the kinds of things I think that you know unions should be doing, right? Well, we got being uh, fun, recognition being... around the world. There, you know, there were people, there were Italian unionists in that, uh, <laughs> yeah, saying, look at this, this is a great way of doing, mm-hmm. you know, to do Google Translate, etc. But this is a great way of doing industrial action. It can be hard and long and difficult, but you've got to inject some levity you've got to make it yeah. fun and you you know I think that worked really well on that level it did towards thing. the end and you would think you know at the end of a long campaign all people were worried about was their improved um, terms and conditions but there was quite a lot of employers collectively so this is something it's not just that the union does no. unilaterally this is something that all the employers agree to and all the workers agree to and that's voted on yeah. um, on that level sorry Linda no, please no, go no and this one's a little bit different to any other of our agreements because it also involves the department. So usually it's just us and the bosses um, and this has the department as well. So they have also agreed to it. So that's important um, because when you're implementing it and people say, well, you know, can they afford this, they being the employer or the department? Well, we're able to say, well, they're both at the table and they've both agreed to this. Um, People will often say that, you know, oh, well, we've got this in policy. Um, There's a lot of uh, misunderstanding about their policy can be changed overnight. It's not enforceable. What's in that? Government policy? you mean or employer, uh, employer policy? Employer policy. Oh, and government policy, I guess. Hadn't thought about that. But, um, yeah, employer policy. So, you know, people would say to us in some of our workplaces for different agreements, oh, we get $1,000 for this a year. But as soon as the budget gets tight, that money disappears and it's entirely discretionary. Um, so, yeah, what's important to you needs to be in your agreement. That's Once that's been voted on and approved by Fair Work, it's legally enforceable. Your employer may not like it, but uh, until a new agreement is um, negotiated, then you know, that stands. Mm. And now the issue comes, how do you enforce the entitlements that are in the agreement? Now, this is a big deal because often we find changes to the agreement, and there were a lot of them last time, mm. where we're having difficulties having employers comply with these uh, new arrangements. Yep. Now, you can go to Fair Work and try to argue your case there, um, but there are some dangers in doing that. As far as we're concerned, the way to, way to do it is to just morally on the ground and politically say, this is what you've agreed to. This is the right thing to do. It's time for you to do this and for members and workers to do that collectively because mm. that's when you get the best outcome and that's when you change the culture in the workplace. Yeah, there's 80, um, 80 or so employers under that agreement um, in the public sector and you'll find that 
although on paper they're the same conditions, in practice they will be being applied differently and that is because of the collective strength in particular workplaces. So um, not to suck up to the Assistant Secretary, but you wouldn't, for instance, um, try something on at Barwon where you know you have high density, very engaged members and, and you've basically got you know one of the officials on the ground. Um, other places, you know, we've said from the beginning, if you don't fight to enforce your agreement, then it's just another book on the shelf. Mm. Um, so it really does come down to how you want to use it. Um, and, you know, there were such significant changes last time and improvements that there's a lot for people to get across. And even now, what did I say we were the other day? 350, no, 668 days or something into the agreement. There are still people saying to us, oh, I didn't know we had that mm-hmm. entitlement. Um, and it's because they're so busy looking after patients um, that this often takes a backseat. No, absolutely. I'm sorry. Ruth. I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm just sick quietly over here. It's like an alpha secretary. God. Um, yeah. We're thing, so excited about our agreements. People often confuse agreements with awards, and that's mm. probably where you were about to go, Rurik, if I had <laughs> taken my you know, sensible hat. But, but this is something we need to be very clear about. Um, awards uh, contain really safety net conditions. Now, agreements hit above awards and exclude that award. So one of the terms in, in an agreement will be that the award no longer applies. So the agreement theoretically is an improvement on the award that you negotiate as a collective of workers rather than something that's gifted to you by you know a central government agency. And so we are very much in favour of agreements and for having agreements at, at every turn and never relying on awards. But, you know, there are lots of um, workplaces out there uh, where uh, agreements aren't in place. So, you know, uh, and and that's increasing. So the other aspect of the agreement would be also that individual... Um, individual members can come to us and say, say, oh, my rights have been breached according to the agreement and we might be able to help them as an individual, right? Uh, Yeah, certainly. Um, Look, there are obviously lots of individual issues that people have and they don't necessarily want those shared with other people. Um, We have a specific team, the member assist team at VARPA, and they deal with all individual queries. That ranges from rates of pay and higher duties, higher qualifications through to disciplinary matters, um, patient complaints, lots yeah, the of whole return to work yeah. from parental oh, leave parental is, is a big a big deal, and lots of people face difficulties there. Um, and the member system, there's advocates yeah. who will go and, and work with you in that one on one capacity. Um, and if you don't have the agreement, if you don't have that information before you, you won't be aware of of your entitlements and understand that this. Really, the agreement stands head and shoulders above any policy that might exist. Mm. It's effectively an extension of federal legislation and as such reigns supreme and so don't be duped by local policies, etc. They do not uh, uh, supersede or, or, you know, beat up on the agreement in any way, shape or form. And, it's, you know, this mm. is why we make hard copies and put it out there as broadly as possible to make people aware. Yeah. Uh, you know, people will ask questions and... Um, people responding to it, managers and whatever, will say that in quite an authoritative way, oh, no, it's our policy. So a really practical everyday example is personal leave. In the public sector, our public sector agreement, there is unlimited use of stat decks for 
personal leave. Um, at a number of workplaces, they will say, oh, no, you can only use, um, you can't use them for consecutive days. You can't use them on either side of a public holiday. Uh, you need to get a medical certificate, not a stat deck. Now, that doesn't, is not contained in our agreement and it's harsher and more onerous. And so, therefore, their policy can't override our agreement. But if somebody who you are generally used to taking instruction from in the workplace says that's our policy, most people will accept that. Um, if they've got a delegate or they've across their agreement, they'll say, mm, I'm actually not sure that's the case. Um, and that's when they call us or email and we say, yeah, no, nah. if you get that knocked back, then you let us know. And that's so. where the collective culture is really mm. important, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm looking at our last glorious agreement, <laughs> yes. um, the hefty tome that it is, and I know that there, there were so many great things won during that enterprise agreement uh, negotiation, and I was wondering, you know, what were some of the uh, stories, if you like, or um, things that occurred or even gains that were won by VARPA um, for that last, that last one that is now covering members? Yeah, <laughs> we're all singing. I mean, so there's yeah. so many issues, and and your, the presentations mm. the organisers were rolling out would go for you know it's minimum of an hour. Like it was just an hour to just touch on everything that had changed, and mm. certainly um, I think the largest change probably in any one area was in the classification structure that changed both um, you know horizontally, horizontally and vertically in terms of you know where people could go, um, and that's directly from feedback from a survey that we did, very large survey we did across the state where people said, you know, we want sustainable careers in allied health and so therefore there has to be more places for us to go and, and mm-hmm. um, because people are getting stuck. Um, but, you know, yeah, a whole raft of changes and a, a particularly, uh, I guess, the one that underpins quite a lot of it in terms of being able to be enforced is the removal of what was called consent arbitration because although you don't want to end Ooh. up in the commission, your employers need to know that you can go there. Consent arbitration meant that um, you could only go to the commission for arbitration as opposed to conciliation um, if the employer agreed. So if the employer thought they were going to lose, why would they agree to the referee sorting it out? We're doing the wrong thing and no, we're not going to go to court, to, to people's court to get this resolved. Oh, I'd never seen it before I looked at this agreement six years ago, this predecessor six years ago, and I was like, why Why would you have this? You know. Mm. Um, and so the removal of that means they're very aware that we can and will go to the commission. Um, we, you know, we haven't needed to go for arbitration and never want to do that. You know, it's costly both in terms of times and the, the possible outcomes are risky. But to have that there in your toolkit is really important. So It's um, slow and disempowering oh. and, you know, you end up having the commissioner say, well, these are your rights and these are your entitlements and making a mm. ruling. And that can be damaging. It can create precedent if something's interpreted in a bizarre way. Like, for instance, the word immediately could be interpreted as a week. You know, these things, these things yeah. happen. And so we have that threat there and we can do that, but we always rather do things politically and change that yep. culture. I mean, that is the, the fundamental way in which we operate and, and why we got such a good agreement last time. Mm. Yeah, otherwise, I mean, theoretically, if you were just going to do it via the commission, you don't need to have one one member at each workplace. You know, <laughs> like, why would you? You asked about stories? What, oh, what yeah. stories? I mean, I just was like, well, how'd it go? How, how did the negotiations uh, go? Were they fun? Oh, look, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it, look, there's no doubt that it was certainly challenging, particularly at the beginning, because... <laughs> 
you know, in the context of the new branch, this was uh, the first public sector agreement that we'd done. And I think the dinosaurs became a really good sort of unifying focal point for that. Um, once industrial action started, there was quite a lot of fun with it. We, One of our metropolitan hospitals, there was they were putting up the posters and they had a big Rex dino. And um, one of the managers came out one day and said, oh, well, as long as we've only got one dinosaur. And then overnight they all multiplied and, um, you know, they were on ceilings, they were on pieces of equipment, they were... And people are sending in photos of, you know, mm. dinos having scans After and whatever else. And dinosaurs <laughs> coming to team yeah. meetings. Um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. And was there was there any violence done against the dinosaurs? There was a little bit of deflation. We can't, you know, we don't want to think that managers... But, you know, look, they do... People get angsty around yeah. agreements. So, yeah, look, we think a couple of them probably got... You know, I know a dinosaur in the waiting room, you know, and it just seems to really irk. I mean, come on, it's just... It's, it's ludicrous. They did get inflated quite a lot with... With, from the oxygen. the oxygen, yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, you've yeah. got to use the equipment oh, you have available. Right. Yeah. Oh, but we we had the dinosaur parade at the the children's, yes. which was, and we did that early on. That was a lot of fun. And yeah, yeah. but we so got. Tell me about this dinosaur parade because I've heard about it, but nobody's actually. All I've heard is we had a dinosaur parade. So we took fifty dinosaurs. We took a huge, huge truck. Number, truck of dinosaurs. <laughs> they were semi-inflated here um, and piled into a truck, and um, took them up and had a bit of a rally, and then a parade round the world. And now this wasn't industrial action. No, See, this, this, this was, was just a protest, and it was really, you know, a way of getting media. And the dinosaur, really, one of the one of the underpinning logics was because it makes colour and movement, and mm. and gives the media something to to grasp hold of. And they really did. And so we got TV coverage around that, and and we had good turnout, and people yeah. really had fun. There yeah, were it was kids great. jumping it was on them, day. and I know I had to sort of say gently, gently with our dinosaurs, please, little boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not going to last forever. Uh, we didn't know how long the campaign was going to go. And we've got some plans for similar actions mm. coming up for the next Code Blue campaign or the next public sector campaign. Mm. Which, uh, a few things up our sleeve. Look, it's in. I think it's important. Apart from the fact that it, it gives you that focal point for media, it, it you know look. Industrial campaigns can be long um, and a bit sort of dry, um, and so it's important to have something that people can have a bit of fun with, um, particularly when, you know, look, our members do serious work every day. Um, The last thing they want is if we're going to sit and talk about, you know, dry, boring, industrial, and, you know, there are serious matters, but it doesn't mean that you can't have some fun with it. Um, no, and absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a really serious document mm. and the fact that we have a dinosaur on the front just, you know, creates a bit of interest in the yeah, thing. Totally. It's just a little bit of fun, you know, and I think the members have really supported that and got behind yep. it. And I think it's good, you know, unions need to do more of that stuff, I think. It's allowed me to buy whole ranges of dinosaur socks. <laughs> um, dinosaur apparel. Dinosaur apparel, that's right, wow. yes. really has. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a dinosaur um, Lunchbox. Yeah, what can I say? <laughs> I feel like I need to get some di- dinosaur stuff. We have been talking about you <sighs> in relation and to your lack, lack of dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My kids are very disappointed, Rory. They're very, very I can upset. only imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So it turns out that we in fact have an enterprise agreement negotiation. It's the Code Blue Two campaign. So we're going to have a whole new range of um, things to negotiate for whole new range of um, mm. goals. Yep. So 
tell our members about that. Well, we, we had a discussion. We opted to go with Code Blue too. I mean, we're on a good thing. Stick with it. Um, we talked about various options, but we think, you know, that branding, we had to fight really hard. As Linda said earlier, this was our first big public sector campaign, you know, 12,000 workers under this agreement. And we had to demonstrate that, you know, we had the, what it took to make this work. And slowly that Code Blue branding took off. And we think it's too early to change it. We're going with Code Blue too. We are going to go with the dinosaur again. Oh, I'll let that get out of the van. That is um, spoiler alert. That has been hotly contested. I'll, I will let you know. Um, but um, I think wiser heads have prevailed, and and we're going with dinosaur. We might go with a, a stegosaurus or maybe a different sort mm, of different kind, different, different, different kind. Yeah. I don't know. But I, don't it's, know. I don't know how Rex is going to feel about that. But you know, yeah, I mean, Rex gets so much media anyway. That's they old true. Rex yeah. is, you yeah. know, um, need diversity and dino diversity. Yeah. yeah, but look, we have achieved a lot in in the last round, and we're pretty aspirational. There are a few things that we're really keen to to nail down that we really put in nascent kind of frameworks for last time. We put in, as Linda referred to earlier, that um, breadth of career path. Uh, So the clinical educators path, the uh, research path, the advanced clinician, and the the chief path has been there for a long period of time, but we incorporated it fully into the structures and we did some work around that. But what we think is really important is to really progress that clinical educator structure and, and get that right. And we did, in parallel with the agreement last time, we had an agreement for several million dollars to roll out um, some grade three clinical educators uh, and some researchers, but the clinical educators who worked uh, at a number of departments and have really set up very successful structures that we think that that, that test that test case has gone really well and we want to see that rolled out right across the state, right across the public uh, healthcare network. Um, so that's important to us. The classification structure, there's a lot to discuss there, but we unified it. We had dozens and dozens and dozens of separate structures and we wanted to bring all that together and we did that. Now there's further work we want to do there. And I guess in particular, we want to shrink grade one and make grade one really a kind of wet behind the ears. You're, you're learning your trade kind of period and then an automatic progression to grade two. And, and we're very serious about making that happen and having a, a more extended grade two structure over over more years rather than you know a, a longer grade one structure that's pretty aspirational um, and there's a lot of work to be done there but the number one issue I think um, is is workload mm. and, and wage theft and Linda you're out there with the members every day and yeah look the the workload stuff is like it's just enormous it's hard to find the words to explain how serious it is so people um, you know at some of my campuses where I've which I've had for the six years, have always had workload issues, but they're now so extreme. Um, And we have people where we've done some mapping and surveying doing like uh, some of them 20% extra unpaid work a week. So for people, you know, they're donating a day's work a week or they're being robbed of a day's work. Um, And I think there's been a growing consciousness. We used to talk about it or members used to talk about it as donating time or subsidising the system. And now we quite clearly call it wage theft because there's no question that employers know it's happening. But, you know, our 
our members are good eggs, and they uh, very much fear that if they, you know, if they don't do that for these patients, who's going to do it? If they don't do that for their students or the junior staff members, who's going to do it? Um, and that's being taken advantage of. So, um, and it's not cool. It, it causes long-term problems. Yes. You know, you you need to confront that and, and withdraw maybe in in the short term mm. to fix a longer-term problem and provide better patient care because you know you go yeah. about doing that. You can't keep cutting corners no. because you're asked to and keep being crunched. It's, it's yeah. just not okay. Right? And it creates all kinds of other issues, doesn't it? I mean, it's like it's, it's, it's yeah. the little snowball that ends up in the gigantic one. It, where it's got issues it's for not- patients. It's got issues for recruitment. There are hospitals, which clearly we won't name, who cannot recruit. Um and where well, careers people you know just yep. walk out of their careers five ten years yep. in they just can't they burn out we've got professions where we would have grade two and grade threes in particular professions telling grade one students not to take jobs at particular hospitals because they will be burnt and that's about workload and and not just their workload but the workload of the people who are supposed to be supervising and looking after them funding um yeah it's just funding um mm. it's you know the the public sector has always you know been attractive in terms of training positions but a lot of it's not seen now as an attractive place to stay because the workloads don't allow people to do what they're trained to do in some places what they're doing now is mostly referral not actual treatment that's not why anybody became a health professional you know that's they wanted to work with patients um so yeah it's a massive problem allied health is is huge in in Mm. the public sector you know Mm. we're a massive part of the workforce yet i don't think we're regarded as such yet and we really need to stamp some authority on on this you know on on public consciousness on you know the politicians on the media etc and make our presence felt and really get the the allocation of funding that we deserve and at the moment we're we're certainly not getting that you know there's money going uh to health workers but it's not coming to allied health and and it's time that you know we we did something about it and this this campaign gives us a really good opportunity to make that change Mm. and for very good reasons you know we just can't have this wage theft go on anymore you know and the outcomes for patients i mean there's really good data out there in terms of your outcomes both in terms of surviving a surgery and not having to be readmitted to hospital are you know exponentially better if you've had access to an allied health professional if you've seen a physio if you've seen an ot but if the pressure is on discharge about getting you through that you know throughput and discharge and they don't really you know the mindset is well we don't mind if you get readmitted because that's an that's a new stat but mm. that's terrible from a patient's point of view and terrible from a family's point of view you know your likelihood to fall your likelihood you know it's it's enormous these are perverse outcomes mm. from these rigid kind of mm. st- structures and funding arrangements that are set up and what's measured and 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 where only what is measured and reported is is what important we know what's important and that's you know it's costing us money as a community where you could have for for want of a little bit more funding in the right area you could have seen those allied health professionals and perhaps not been readmitted but let's just push you through and look sorry about that but then you're readmitted because you've fallen or you're readmitted because you've got pneumonia because you haven't seen a physio etc etc so yeah really bad outcomes. didn't hannah arendt say that bureaucracy is the greatest evil <laughs> i don't know i think you know she? yeah i'm pretty sure she did yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well this is just the beginning this is the first podcast obviously where hopefully we'll be communicating with members we're going to also be um releasing a code blue 2 issue and Hard copy uh, also, journal. Yeah, hard copy mm. journal to get out to um, members again of the issues that we've, we've been kind of monitoring that they're facing.
racing and the sorts of things which we're campaigning for. Um, what else would we like? What else? What else do we need to express? Um, mm. You know, the dinosaurs are becoming. You'll have mm. plenty of access to great T-shirts, posters. Yeah, look, uh, we're probably kind of going stuff. into a more difficult environment than last time. So I guess the good thing is is that we have better structures in place. We have more delegates than we did when we went into it, but, you know, at the same point in the last public sector campaign. But, you know, look, it's the last one wasn't easy. This one won't be easy for different reasons. And so people are going to need to sort of be prepared and get organised. So, you know, if anyone's out there looking at, um, you know, doing some training about how to do that, give us a hoy because we, you know, one of the things we won in the last agreement was paid union training for VARPA members and we need to use that. The difference between us having a good outcome and a great outcome is not just engaged members but educated, you know, prepared organised members um, and that's sort of something you have to work on. It doesn't sort of just happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we want people here working with us. Yeah, yeah. And the union really is its membership, isn't it? So. Yeah, we're just the office. That's right. Yeah. So, um, thanks guys and thanks to all the members who've been listening and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye.